Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Both Team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you. Coming off a spectacular weekend of racing in Ohio and Georgia at the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series racing in the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course in Lexington, Ohio. And, of course, the Xfinity and the NASCAR Cup cars racing at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Good racing in both venues, garnering a lot of conversation with fans this past week and talking about how intense the racing was at Atlanta and the game of survival that was in play over the weekend at Mid-Ohio. Always great when we have a good weekend like that. And that'll continue this weekend when we head to the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Motor Racing Network will be off. Our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have coverage of the Xfinity and the Cup Series as they race at the Magic Mile. Since we're venturing up into New England, I wanted to do a little something different on today's show. Actually bring in a colleague, a gentleman that grew up in New England, has announced races in New England, 
and you hear him every cup race with us here on the Motor Racing Network. It is my my turn brother from another mother. You hear him high atop turns one and two, a native of Barry, Vermont, and that would be the one and only Dave Moody, who joins us on the NASCAR Live Wide Open Hotline. Top of the morning, brother. How are we doing? Good evening, Mr. Bagley. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm glad to have you with us. Before we get going here today, I want to do a do want to check in. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of obviously disturbing images and videos coming out of New England with Mother Nature's wrath being felt by a lot of New Englanders. How are things back in the, the home territory up there in Vermont? Boy, it's an awful mess. Uh, it, it's getting better, you know, marginally better day by day. They're getting roads opened again and, and are able to assess the damage. But, you know, it, one of the worst ways to start your day is to wake up, turn on the morning news, and see the national TV crews standing on Main Street in your hometown uh, with with waist-deep water down Main Street. It's, it's not a good way to be. Uh, the state of Vermont got pounded not very long ago by Hurricane Irene. There are portions of the state that aren't even rebuilt from that yet, and now they've got to start all over again. So it's uh, uh, they got a tough road to hoe up there, but they're tough folks up there in the Green Mountains. Well, we are sending them our best, and obviously the NASCAR community and the and the racing community is going to be making a couple of trips up there, obviously, with the Xfinity and the Cup Series going to Loudon, New Hampshire this weekend, and then going up to Thunder Road with SRX next week. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to start off big picture, Dave. You know, I, 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 I've i seen racing in the Midwest. I've seen it in the South. I've seen it in New England. And talking with folks in all these different locations, they always say, well, you know, we race different here in blank, Midwest. We race different in the South. We race different in New England. How would you classify, how would you describe a New England racer? How would you personify those individuals and the style of racing that racing in New England creates? I think, Mike, and, and you know, I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. It's not a criticism at all. It's just an observation. But in the northeastern part of the United States, the, they're not afraid to take a car to the outside and try to pass a guy the hard way. Um, here in the South, 95% of the passing seems to be done on the inside. And whether that requires uh, an overjudicious use of the front bumper or not to get it done, nobody seems to care. Up North, and, and I don't know, maybe we just kind of clung to the old-fashioned way of doing things for, for more years than, than the rest of the country. Um, but you go up there and you'll see guys run the outside. And if it takes you 10 laps on the high groove to pass the guy for the lead, that's what you're willing to do. They've got some amazing racing up there. The, the circuit that I grew up announcing on, the American Canadian Tour, they've run 21 feature races this year uh, between uh, their, their two or three local uh, weekly tracks, their Canadian series, and their American Touring series. 21 features so far this year, 21 different winners. I don't think there's anybody in the country that approaches that. Well, it's amazing, and I, I've, I've heard your work at ACT, and obviously it's been around for quite a while, how you take a couple of different styles of racing, you merge them together, and you bounce back and forth across the border. How long has that been going on? What kind of kind of personalities are, are in those race cars, both north and south of the border? Well, it's been going on for a long time. And, you know, when I was a kid, just, you know, just growing up, it, it, that was back in the NASCAR late model sportsman days, and they would have, you know, on the in the major events up north, they would be NASCAR national championship double point events. So two or three times a year, Butch Lindley would come to town, and Harry Gant, and Morgan Shepard would would all come to town. 
And man, it didn't matter who you rooted for every week up north. You'd root for any northern guy because the last thing in the world you wanted was those southern carpetbaggers to come in and steal uh, steal the money from our from our local guys. It was like fighting the Civil War all over again. There was just a huge excitement weeks in advance for those battles, and they they never failed to fill the grandstands. Those were fun times back then, and I think there's a little of that still left. But it's not you know it's not like it used to be because. The, the Bush series doesn't come to Hickory anymore so that the Hickory late model champion can build himself a Bush car and go out there and try and get famous on, on a Saturday night. It's not quite the way it used to be in that regard. And of course, that was the forerunner to what a lot of us know today. A lot of us associate racing in New England with New Hampshire Motor Speedway, which is obviously where we're going this weekend. That track's been around since the early 90s in its current carnation, but the old Briar Motorsports Park and, and racing in Loudoun is is nothing new. Give me a little thumbnail history of, of racing in Loudoun in that area and how it's grown over the last few decades. Well, it's been an amazing road, Mike. And I, and I chuckle a little bit because I actually announced a handful of races at the old Briar Motorsports Park, which was primarily famous for its road course. They ran, you know, the Loudoun Classic motorcycle road race there for many, many, many years, and uh, and it was a it was a rough place. It was a little bit ramshackle. They had a half mile that had a they had a lake on the inside of it. If you got a little off course in turn one, you could actually get some water in your ears. I saw a couple of guys do that over the over the time, and then you know when Bob Bear, who at that time owned the Oxford Plain Speedway up in Maine. He decided that he wanted to build a, a NASCAR-style super speedway. Unfortunately, the town fathers and mothers in Oxford, Maine, didn't like that idea, and they kind of turned thumbs down on the deal. And being a little bit gruff and not used to hearing the words no very often, Bob, who had a little discretionary income to, to play with, said, okay, to heck with you. He sold Oxford Plain Speedway, he bought the Briar Motorsports Park, and he went to work with he and his brother Dick but with a, a couple of wooden stakes and a bulldozer to plow out what we now know as the Magic Mile. That's amazing. The Bear family and the Bear name goes a long way up there, doesn't it? It's um, it's royalty, you know, and, and Bob's been gone for a few years now. He was a very unique individual. You it, To look at him, you would not have known that he had three pennies to his name. Usually he had the khaki pants, a white long sleeve button-up shirt, and a, and a yellow cardigan sweater, a button-up sweater over the top of that. Drove around in a ramshackle cheap wagoneer that had boxes of his financial papers stacked in the back. You never would have known that he was who he was, but boy, he was an incredible businessman. He bought and sold the same bank in Maine two or three different times and made 10 or $12 million every time he sold it. He was quite a character. I miss Bob, and he did do wonders for racing in new england obviously creating what we're going to be racing on this weekend with the nascar xfinity series and the nascar cup series i want to tap into before we get to um thunder road and srx i I want to talk a little bit about you your history your career you obviously had a starting point at some point a lot of know you for what uh, uh, know you for what you do on Sirius XM with Sirius XM Speedway and what you do here on MRN specifically in the corners and all that. Where did that where did that all begin? Where did a young Dave Moody first pick up a microphone and start calling race cars? 
it started at Thunder Road. You know, my uncle took me to my first race there when I was six or seven years old. Fell in love with the place, fell in love with the sport. You know, eventually got to the point where I, you know, uh, I was crew chiefing on a couple of, you know, hobby division race cars over the years. And I started writing a column uh, for the late Val Lasseur at the Speedway Scene newspaper, which back then was even called New England Speedway Scene. And when Ken Squire, who owned Thunder Road, started getting busy with CBS and couldn't be there every Thursday night, they wait on Thursday night then and now, he kind of looked around for somebody to replace him. And and I don't know if he read a couple of my columns in Speedway Scene and said, okay, this kid loves the sport. He's got a workable vocabulary. For whatever the reason, he kind of pigeonholed me and dragged me up to the tower and said, pay attention, I'm going to teach you how to be an announcer. And over the course of the next couple of years, he just, he just opened up that treasure chest of knowledge that he's imparted to so many people over the years. And I sat at his knee wide-eyed and just learned and learned and learned. And, and here we are, you know, 50-odd years later, I, I managed to turn it into some semblance of a career. <laughs> well, you and I are fortunate. We have had the opportunities of attending the universities of Squire and Hall, speaking of Barney Hall, over the years. It's amazing how much you can learn by just sitting back and by listening and by watching and just monitoring what's going on. And there is a style, and and that style that we hear today, even to this very day on MRN, the handprints, the fingerprints of Ken Squire, Barney Hall, and the like are on those broadcasts still to this very day. It's amazing how the fundamentals of broadcasting can cascade themselves decades forward, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. And I, and I have said for years that I was extremely fortunate that I went to Ken Squire High School and Barney Hall University. Mm-hmm. They were very different. You know, Barney kind of led by example. He would not pull you aside and say, boy, you need to do this instead of that. Ken was just the opposite. And for, for a couple of years when he was teaching me how to do it, every Monday morning I'd be in his office at WBEV Radio in Waterbury, Vermont, and he would strip the meat off my bones, tell me everything I'd done wrong the previous Thursday night, the two or three things I'd done right. He'd send me home with homework to try and make me better for the next week. And fortunately, you know, despite being a typical 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, I was smart enough to realize that if I checked my ego at the door and actually listened to what he was trying to say to me, I'd probably come away with a lot of knowledge. And between he and Barney, boy, we sure did learn, didn't we? Indeed, we did. Still, to this very day, I tap into the knowledge that those gentlemen have shared. We talk about Thunder Road. Uh, SRX will be there next weekend. You'll be back uh, at the controls at the public address microphone. For those that don't know what Thunder Road is, give us the dimensions. Give us give us the layout and what makes it so unique. It is, in my mind, Mike, the ultimate short track. Quarter mile, high bank, paved asphalt oval in turn four and down the front straightaway the fast lane is approximately three eighths of an inch from the outside retaining wall that many many years ago acquired the nickname the Widowmaker. now it, it didn't it, it didn't acquire it in a de facto fashion we've never lost anyone at the racetrack uh but i know one year probably in the early 90s through the first five races of the season, we averaged something like 2.7 flips per night. Um, most seasons aren't quite that wild, but, but, the, but the front stretch wall is kind of cambered a little bit. The, 
the top sits back from the bottom. So if you get up on that wall, you can actually ride the wall the length of the front stretch. And if you're really good and don't panic, you can bring it right back down again on four wheels and continue on like nothing happened. But usually the first time or two that that happens to you in your career, you do panic and you're upside down before you know what happened. Meanwhile, if there's anybody racing in that SRX race that's listening to this right now, they probably got eyes as big as saucers. Uh, I'm sure that some embrace the challenge, but I'm sure a shiver or two up and down some spines over the years and hearing those words is in place for a lot of these drivers. Best example I can give is Brad Keselowski. He came up and raced with us a few years ago. They generally bring in a cup driver on Loudon Week, and, and a couple or three years ago, it was Brad. And, and he climbed into the car for the first practice, and, and he looked at me and he said, okay, what do I need to know? And I said, no, nah, just, just go out and, and draw your own conclusions. And he came back in after practice, shut the car down, took his helmet off, didn't even get out of the car, just kind of give me the, the, the come here of a gesture. And I stuck my head in the window and he said, you could have told me about that wall. <laughs> and um, in typical fashion, it, he stayed off it for a while and figured out that he wasn't going very fast. And, and about 20 laps into the feature, he, he, he got his bravery together and started to figure out the line and got up closer and closer and closer to the wall. And about the time it looked like he was really going to do well, a flammo. He's in the fence and the night is over. That happens to a lot of people there. Something that obviously we'll look forward to next week. I mentioned you're on the uh, you're on the microphone again at Thunder Road. Now, just do remember, we will need you in Pocono next weekend. Just don't get any ideas about staying up there in those beautiful green mountains of Vermont. It's going to be a travel flashback, Mike. For a lot of years, I announced Thursday night races at Thunder Road. Got a couple of hours of sleep and jumped on an airplane heading for wherever the NASCAR Cup Series and MRN were that weekend. So it'll be just like old times. Yeah, man, uh, I'm sure that you'll have a blast. We'll have a blast looking on and following. And, of course, we'll look forward to getting you back with us at Pocono next weekend. Won't keep you much longer. Wanted to touch in. Appreciate appreciate all the insight and the perspective, my friend. I know that uh, we're in the busy time of year, but um, it's also a fun time of year because we got a lot of racing to discuss. We'll catch up soon, and I'll see you in Pocono next weekend. Thanks, Mike. See you soon. Always a pleasure catching up with Dave. And, yes, at Pocono, we will... We will return to our respective corners. He in turn one. I'll be in the tunnel turn as we get ready to go for racing at Pocono with a lot of racing in between now and then. Let's focus back on the racing this weekend in New Hampshire. The Crayon 301. I can't wait to hear what Vegas has to say about this. And producer Trey is here with Vegas and also his picks for the weekend. What do you got for us this week, Trey? Well, Mike, Vegas thinks it is going to be a very good weekend for Joe Gibbs Racing. The top three favorites this weekend all drive for JGR. Christopher Bell, the winner of last year's race, he is the favorite this weekend. He is at plus 550. His teammate, Martin Truex Jr., who led a ton of laps in Loudoun last year, he is right behind him at plus 650. And then Denny Hamlin is right behind those two at plus 750. But I'm not going with JGR this weekend. I think this weekend at New Hampshire, we see Kevin Harvick pick up his fifth win at the track. If you look back in Phoenix, a one-mile flat-ish track, Harvick probably had the fastest car before that final caution came out. I think Harvick has shown that despite all of Stuart Haas's struggles this year, he still has the speed and is capable of winning a race. And if you look at the tracks that he could possibly win at uh, in his final season, Ford 
doesn't have a ton of speed on the the intermediate tracks but on these flatter short tracks SHR and the Fords have a little bit more speed so I think that Harvick is live in terms of a winner this weekend he sits at 10 to 1 I think Kevin Harvick picks up what could be one of the big feel-good moments of 2023 this weekend in Loudoun. couple long shots that I like. One is one of Harvick's teammates at SHR, and that's Ryan Priest. Ryan Priest from the New England area. We saw what he did at New Hampshire, or not at New Hampshire, what he did at Martinsville, which is almost like New Hampshire cut in half to an extent, led a lot of laps at the beginning after winning the poll for that event. Uh, I think Priest could be a factor this weekend. He sits at 55 to 1. And then another long shot I like, one of the Toyotas, Bubba Wallace, he is at 30 to 1, finished third in this race one year ago. And after this past weekend, he dropped back below the playoff cut line. So he's got some work to do to get back in to the 16 driver field for the playoffs. So Bubba and Priest are the long shots. Bubba at 31, Priest at 55 to 1. But I think Harvick upsets Vegas's prediction of a JGR weekend. Wow. Producer Trey bucking the system, going for the upset this weekend. Stuart Haas Racing, it's been slim pickings here in 2023. Perhaps. A trip to New England, a lobster, and a win Sunday in the Crayon 301, the elixir that the doctor has ordered for that racing operation. We'll all find out together. Again, the Performance Racing Network will have the call this weekend. MRN microphones are silent. We will fire them back up next week, and when we fire them up, buckle up, everybody, because we have you all squared away for racing action at Pocono. Going to be a busy broadcasting weekend. We hope you're a part of it. It'll start Friday with the ARCA 150 coming your way from Pocono Raceway. That's a week from Friday, Saturday, quadruple coverage, or actually triple coverage, I should say. Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup practice and qualifying from the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Our coverage begins 11.30 a.m. Eastern a week from Saturday, and then, of course, a week from Sunday. NASCAR Live Race Day on the air with the Pocono 400, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Again, one week from Sunday, that's July 23rd. Don't forget, got NASCAR Live coming your way Tuesday night at 7 Another download of NASCAR Live wide open available one week from today on Thursday. And, of course, we'll be headed to Pocono to cover all the racing action for you there. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN team, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for the download. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out again soon, and we'll catch up with you at the track coming up one weekend from this weekend at Pocono. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live wide open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheeland products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheeland Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires.
Sunoco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak.